Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, just leave a five-star review. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Coming up on the Modern Woman phone line, today's guest is Chris Lowe, ESPN senior writer covering the SEC. He's one of the best, man. Chris is great. And he covered, actually recently, Friday, Saturday, the Unity Walk of all Ole Miss athletics and talked with Lane Kiffin. Spoke about the statue. We touched on that briefly, but mostly I talked to Chris about Lane Kiffin because nobody, quite frankly, in this business knows Lane as well as Chris Lowe. So Chris is coming up in just a little bit. But first, Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? Not much. I'm I'm, I'm doing good, man. Just uh, it feels like we're coming to an end of the quarantine. I guess if you can still call it a quarantine, like the NBA is scheduled to be back, the NHL's back, college football looks like it's going to go off. I mean, at least at the start without a hitch. So kind of feels like we're getting to a point whether you know we're gonna figure out if this thing actually is is out of the country and uh, it's time to move on or, or we're gonna get a setback it's not out of the country um there are rising numbers but i think now people have gotten to the point where they're ready to accept the risk themselves and sure, that's to, what I meant. to really social distance if they choose to um i think there will be from this point forward measures put into place that are mandatory be it mask or hand sanitation, whatever, be it in sports or your job that allows you to work and accept that risk without feeling like you're just walking into a hornet's nest. So I think that's a positive development. I do think that social distancing is here to stay probably till like 2022 <laughs> and masks are here to stay probably for another year and all this kind of stuff. I don't care. I'm for every single preventative measure that does what? Bring sports back. <laughs> do you anticipate it being a rule that I don't know. I, th- I feel like uh, that you're going to have to wear masks in, in uh, Vault Hemingway. Do you anticipate that in Swayze? Do you think it's gone by that point? Or you still think it's good to go there? I think it's way too early to predict that. And I know that's a cop-out. It really is a cop-out. Okay. I'm sorry. But I think that the way this has changed so much since even February and how we go about attacking this, allowing life to go on with coronavirus being the new normal it's changed so much that I don't even know what we can plan for, but what we can plan for, and I think it's pretty safe at this point. Chris Lowe touched on it too. When I talked to him, you're going to have to wear a mask in Baltimore anyway, and some will choose to stay home and that's okay. I mean, yeah. staying home to watch sporting events is actually more fun for me at this point in my life than going to sporting events themselves because they're so expensive and it's so hot. And all that. But wearing masks will be something that you have to do. But I think a lot of people will sacrifice that to go see Ole Miss play Alabama or whoever Southeast Missouri, Southwest Missouri, probably not. 
Yeah, that crowd's got a chance to be bad. Like, we're like <laughs> historically, historically bad. bad. Ed Orgeron, that 11,000 that ended up being like 2,000 by the end of the game against. God, who was that? I can't even remember. Northwestern State. That's right. Northwestern State. Almost lost to Northwestern State. By the end of that yeah. game, if you were sitting in the south end zone, you could yell loud enough to where the north end zone people could hear you. That was the game that got him fired, right? Like that. It wasn't the Egg Bowl that got him fired. I've always heard no, that. It was the, the Egg Bowl. It was the Egg Bowl. I you still think? think had the Egg Bowl been a win for Ole Miss that year, Ed Ordron is the head coach of Ole Miss. Okay. I was working in the sports information department at Ole Miss at the time. I was privy to some information that I otherwise wouldn't be privy to. I had to actually be up there to work the press conference when he got fired, and everyone went into the Egg Bowl assuming Ed Ordron was getting another year. There was no chatter in that office. And these are the people that give you the news that Ed Ordron is gone, the official news. So they have to know in advance because it's an entire administrative effort from the top down, from the AD down to this uh, level of public relations to where they organize everything. It's all one central message. So you know when a decision has been made, usually more often than not, than the websites do. Though sourcing, that's where that comes in, and you get some information and you report on it. But the full scope of what's going on is usually known by the public relations staff, and no one knew anything. Even on Friday, after the Egg Bowl, no one knew anything. Or was it was that a Saturday or Thanksgiving? the game was on Friday? Morning. Okay, that yeah, perfect, perfect. Because I got called. I was in New Albany for Thanksgiving, and I got called. I woken up early, early in the morning. We're talking about five thirty a.m. in the morning by my friend Daniel Snowden, who worked in the athletics administration office, and he said, "Ben, get up here. Ed's about to be fired." <laughs> so oh. I think going into the Egg Bowl, everyone expected. Ed Ordron to be back. Had he won, I think there's no doubt. But it certainly set into motion, did that Northwestern State game, the fact that there is a real problem here. Everybody knew there was a problem, and you'd heard all these bad stories. And on this podcast, you've heard pretty much every story imaginable. (laughs) But I I still think that there was a hope of salvaging that, of salvaging Ed Ordron, and knowing that the recruiting had been so good. And there was, despite what you hear from a lot of people, I would say a majority, but there were a lot of kids in that locker room that would go to war today for Ed Orgeron. Let's play it out a little bit. That team goes eight and four under nut next, the next year, or are they, they're not eight and four good under Orgeron, but do they make a bowl game under him? The talent was so good. It depends on, did you believe in the coaching staff? I believe in Dan Werner to this day. So yeah, sure. Sure. And I mean, look, you can criticize him, you know, for his character flaws, all he, all you want, but Hugh freeze was calling plays at the end of that year. And I, I, tend to think he's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's true. Hugh Freeze was, well, it was more of a joint effort. I think a lot of that sure. had been blown up to uh, Urban Legend that Hugh Freeze was, he was scripting a lot of plays, but I think it was a more collaborative effort. And I think they'd figured out a good rhythm for how to call plays offensively. And they knew they had something in an offensive mind in Hugh Freeze. Because again, say whatever you want about Hugh Freeze. Offensively, the dude knows what he's doing. So yeah, a lot of the LSU game script, for example, when they went down to Baton Rouge and almost right. won with Brent Schaefer was Hugh Freeze. He was a little ahead of his yeah. time, too. As far as football is concerned, Hugh Freeze and I agree on a lot of things about how to go attack a team. Not that I'm in any way some type of expert <laughs> about football, because I am not. But, yeah, Brent Schaefer, even to the layman like me, was far superior in talent than Seth Adams, and Hugh recognized that and tailored an offense to fit him or a game script in Baton Rouge to fit him. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I just kind of – and he'd have had Jevin that next year, and Jevin was, you know, phenomenal under Nudd, and I think – that Hugh Freeze is a better offensive coach than Houston Nutt. Uh, so I, I don't know. It would have been interesting that next year for sure. But I, I do think the long-term success of Ed Orgeron, uh, I don't think that was something that was certainly viable. I think that his ceiling was Houston Nutt at his best at Ole Miss as far as records are concerned. Mm. Houston Nutt was a terrible head coach. He was horrible. <laughs> and his recruiting was pathetic. Ed Orgeron had the recruiting right. Houston Nutt was just the adult in the room. <laughs> Ole Miss just needed an adult in the room. Had Ole Miss actually made a good hire after Ed Orgeron, I think they'd have won at an even greater clip. But you hear Houston Nutt talking all the time, oh, back-to-back Cotton Bowls, the first time in 50 years. I honestly believe that the right hire, a good hire, could not only have built on that success, at least matched it, if not bettered it, but continued that success through competent well, recruiting. He, he came here without his fastball. That's what people sure. need to completely put in their brains. Houston Nutt came here with no fastball. It was all curveball, and the off-speed stuff, 
didn't really play all that well. Okay. The, Nutt was, if I remember correctly, Nutt was hired very, very quickly. Was there very any quickly. other candidate at that time? Oh, there were a lot of people that were interested in that job. Pete Boone identified Houston early, and that was his guy. Yeah. But there were a lot of different names, names that we've brought up before. I don't want to go all through it again because we've got a lot of stuff to cover. But there were a lot of names that had Ole Miss hired those guys would be in a far better place. Mm. Yeah. That'll hurt your heart. Yeah. So much to cover in this edition of Talk of Champions. Got Chris Love, ESPN, coming up in just a little bit. Before we really get started, though, let me tell you briefly about Impact by Ironwood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. The Clarion Ledger on Monday reported, alcohol sales at Ole Miss sporting events were permitted beginning October 2019. Already generated over $400,000 in revenue. Yeah, and and let's break that down just a second. You're talking about a not well-attended football season, a pretty bad basketball team where attendance dwindled, and a baseball team that didn't play a conference game. So it's not even at its peak, really. What were the arguments against alcohol sales? I mean, there are people, it's the same reason, and and I'm not going to say, you know, these people are wrong or right. Uh, that's their call. There's, it's the same reason there's still cities and counties in Mississippi that are not, are not wet. They don't, there are people that just don't want to see alcohol. Is it a religious thing? Yeah, in a way. There are people, I'm telling you, that just when they go to a restaurant, they don't want to see alcohol. That's, you know, that's their right. But I'm, that, that's the reason to me that there weren't alcohol in stadiums for forever. New Albany was dry for so long, and there was a big push for New Albany to never go wet. And when it went wet, people were initially angry. And then, over time, it dissipated. No one cares, and everybody's glad that they can drink. I feel like that'll be – eventually, that'll be the case everywhere. And I think for Ole Miss, this was an obvious revenue stream, and it's already bearing fruit. Over $400,000 sure. in revenue. A one-fiftieth of Matt Luke's buyout. <laughs> uh, a university that has been cash-strapped since the NCAA investigation or been hurt $400,000 is no drop in the bucket. Absolutely not. No. Uh, so imagine that over the course of an entire calendar year of sporting events. And this needs to happen at the pavilion too. They already serve alcohol at the pavilion, but there needs to be a culture built in the stands, something that brings you to the pavilion to enjoy the atmosphere, not just of the basketball game, but of drinking in a designated area, maybe like new Orleans. I've said this before in this podcast and I don't know if this is in any way a popular idea, but in New Orleans, New Orleans University, they have a bar in the student section. How do I know this? Because I went there to cover Ole Miss New Orleans in basketball, and they had a bar in the student section. And all I could think when I saw that was, that's the most Ole Miss thing ever. <laughs> wait, wait. They need to put a bar in right field. That's what they need to do, and along with basketball, but I think a bar out there would play really well. A bar out there with a Brewers-type slide with a mascot that's no longer the Lizard can slide down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have fixed Ole Miss. All problems are solved now. All (laughs) problems are solved. Players on Monday began their strength and conditioning programs, their workouts, all that kind of stuff. In July, you're going to see some type of OTAs workouts um, for all programs, not just Ole Miss, but Ole Miss will do some OTAs. Something that Lane Kiffin pitched a couple of months ago proved to be Pretty forward-looking from the head coach of Ole Miss football, but now Ole Miss players are starting to get going here. You're going to have a season. There are going to be some fans allowed, I think, in stadiums. That's purely my own speculation, but I feel like we're trending in that direction. So when you look at players starting the strength and conditioning program, your top three storylines building up to the season as of right now are what? Uh, well, I mean, let's keep it real. The quarterback battle. Um that that feels like the the only storyline that people are going to pay attention to, and you can't really blame them. Um, I'm interested in the defensive line. Katie Hill has to be a player for this team. If he's not, Godspeed. Um, I don't really know what what they're going to do if if they don't get 
some defensive line depth. And I think, you know, I may be alone here. I'm interested in the receivers past Elijah Moore. I want to see what, and, and Braylon Sanders to an extent, I want to see what Jonathan Mingo can do. I want to see what the Jackson kids can do. Um, maybe Demarcus Gregory, maybe Miles Battle. I, I want to see what those guys can do. So for me, that that's kind of the three right now. I think my number one concern going in as football starts to ramp up is what are they going to do on the defensive line? Honestly, we've yeah. talked about it. We've looked at the starters and the starters are fine. But Chuck Wiley has apparently entered the transfer portal. Yep. So a group that already lacked depth, no longer having probably its best reserve is a scary, scary thought. Because, yes, you can put together a starting lineup. Ryder Anderson, Sam Williams on the ends, T. Tisdale, Katie Hill, I don't know, Patrick Lucas, Quentin Bivens. Yeah. The starters are fine. The question is behind them. And I don't even know who those people are right now. You're going to have to have a Ladarius Cox step in and play. A Brandon Mack, if he's not a linebacker, he's a defensive end. I don't know if those kids are ready to play, but they're going to have to be. And that's scary. Yeah. And, and I'm surprised, to be honest with you, that Ole Miss, I, I think they tried, but I'm still surprised that there wasn't somebody or at least a warm body or two out there that they got in the transfer portal to at least give them some depth of some kind because I don't think they have much of anything. Yeah, I mean, they tried with the kid from Temple and they tried with Lovett and for, for a minute before they backed off um, because I do think there's some optimism maybe that, that Fabian Lovett could have a chance to be immediately eligible. So, um, yeah, just a tough situation for the way the numbers fell. Um, and they didn't really get a whole lot of help in recruiting there. So it's a, it's a tough situation for sure, because it kind of feels like that 2012 offensive line where if somebody gets hurt, dear God, somebody's moving down from linebacker to defensive end. Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah. Well, they Sam did try. yeah. Well, Sam Williams is a defensive end in a four, three. Well, okay. But I feel like he's gonna ha he's not gonna have his hand down in the in the dirt a whole lot this year. He can do both. He's done this. It's yeah. like he became a linebacker in people's mind because of his success last year at Ole Miss. He was a hand in the dirt, stand up sometimes defensive end at Northeast. That's what he will be in this defense, and he'll be fine. He was a dominant player at Northeast, even though I had one particular junior college head coach tell me that all of his defensive players that were good were better than Sam Williams, and he had no idea why Ole Miss was taking this kid. And then Sam Williams comes in and he dominates. <laughs> that's an interesting take it, it was funny it was funny it just shows you that head coaches in junior college they're always going to fight for their kids and they should because you have to fight for your kids it was just funny that you look at sam williams and the consensus was this is a really good player and this head coach was like no 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 and i had to go well i, I know you're fighting for your kid but really really you want you want to go down the road with <laughs> sam williams i mean he was like 13 of them like bro come on Come on, if you had 13 Sam Williams, you'd be winning a national championship every single year at that point in junior college because your defense would be dominant. Um, but they did try with Fabian Lovett. They had Fabian Lovett. I don't want to go back down that road again. They had Fabian Lovett. They had Jerry and Jones. Fabian Lovett probably is going to be immediately eligible. I would expect him to get immediate eligibility. I mean, all he has to do is cite the tweet from Mike Leach, and there's been precedent set from Justin Fields going to Ohio State from Georgia. Jerry and Jones, I think he'd have had a little bit more of a difficult road. But uh, I still think he would have gotten immediately eligible, too. And both of those guys would have started for Ole Miss. So that's the real bummer in that whole situation outside of Ole Miss, obviously, dealing with some nonsense on a number of different sides, but not getting two potential starters hurts. And Fabian Lovett, that's the position. That's the position that you need. And I think that's the concerning thing for a lot of Ole Miss fans right now is when you look around at the recruiting landscape, Ole Miss was already at a disadvantage because it's a first-year staff, but then not being able to see kids in person, not being able to go out into their homes and to their springs and all that kind of stuff that hurts their recruiting as a first year staff and not having some defensive line commitments yet. That's got to be scary too. I wouldn't be surprised if they take six defensive linemen. Yeah, you got to, you got to at least have some depth there, man. If, if anything could go wrong for Lane Kiffin in his first year, that wasn't under his control. It did like this could not be a more, uh, worse. I mean, and I'm sure it's that way for a lot of first year head coaches, but it could not be a, a worse start for things he couldn't control at the university of Mississippi. Here's a hot take for you, a truly sizzling take. If there was going to be a worldwide pandemic that was going to put people in their homes for three months, sports were going to completely cease to exist for months. College football, a completely different schedule. I'm not sure if you're going to be hiring a new head coach in this environment that there's one better equipped to handle that because he just simply does not give a shit than Lane Kiffin. I think I absolutely agree. Um, you know, and a lot of people are getting frustrated with recruiting and I get all that, but man, it's like, this has been extremely difficult to recruit in. It's hard to build relationships. You can't really get out, you know, and, and see kids like you want. I, I just, 
I feel like it's way too early for, for some of the freak out I've seen over recruiting so far. Well, a lot of people are still operating under the same time frame that they've been operating in their brains for years, since 2004, two, whenever recruiting rankings became a thing, and we all really started to pay attention and give a crap. The timeline, the schedule has been the same. Yes, they added a second signing period in December, but that was relative. that's relatively new. You're used to seeing kids go in the spring, get evaluated, start to commit in the summer, and then in August and September, the visits start to happen, official visits during games, all that. And yeah. so that's where you're getting the frustration and the disappointment from is that they're used to kids popping right now. And a lot of schools are getting that, but that's part of being a first-year staff in this environment because they're still going to be getting commitments Our Alabama and LSU and Georgia. Those staffs have been recruiting to that particular school for years. Lane Kiffin has been recruiting to this school for six months. So I don't know, just just chill. It's probably gonna be okay. I trust the guy that uh, that's landed multiple top five classes, uh, one while he was on probation, and one when he came in during the middle of the year. So I, I trust that guy. So maybe maybe just take a chill pill. It'll probably be okay. Um, I mean, if you tell me this class wasn't what it needed to be, it wasn't a you know top fifteen class. I can buy that, but I also don't think that's gonna set your program back like some people are pretending either. It would set you back. Here's what I'm gonna say, and I shouldn't say this because. I write for a recruiting-dominated website. I would not pay attention to much of anything as far as recruiting results until about December. You don't want to have the same situation happen this year that happened last year. And last year, you could excuse it because they've just been hired. And the early signing period, they signed these dudes. But then the February signing period was, oof, it was ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Mm -hmm. If that happened again, yes, there's reason to freak out and be concerned. I don't think it's going to happen again, though. What you want to have happen is not what happened last year, which was you signed this kid but had all these scholarships left over and he had all these coaches saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We meant to have this much room. We're going to sign a lot of kids in January. That time frame has been moved up. That's I'm curious to see if the NCAA for one year will give an exemption to the December signing period because I think it'll be a disservice to these kids. It'll be a disservice to these schools if you still go through with the early signing period in December, considering everything. Last year, I'm, I'm Ole Miss had an excuse. This year, they'd have an excuse, but it wouldn't play as well with Ole Miss fans. But across college football, it's not just Ole Miss. Mississippi State, any first-year staff that's dealing with this, December and making your hay, which is when the vast majority, over 70% of kids sign in December. So if your recruiting class is built in December – it's kind of a distinct disadvantage for every first year staff to be operating on this really bizarre and altered timeline. And then to do nothing with the early signing period, you already pushed back in-person visits and camps and schedules. You've done all that stuff. You've changed up recruiting periods and quiet periods and recruitable periods into July and yet do nothing with the early signing period in December. It goes against the reason why you put the early signing period in place to begin with. And that was to give players more agency. We'll get right back to Colin Brister in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. 
Self-isolation, quarantine has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. But my worry, and not worry, because I'm a fan of it going away, um, you know, just in general, because I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. You give this one-year exemption, I don't know if it's coming back. That's why it'll never go into play, so I shouldn't even be talking about it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of coaches that they, they hate that thing. And if you take it away, then I don't think it's coming back. I agree. Same thing with Major League Baseball. When Major League Baseball doesn't play this year, it's going to come back, but it will never be the same again. It's as if the owners completely forgot what sank the sport in the 90s. And before anybody goes and says, oh, it's the players, it's the players, it's the players, it's not the players. They agreed to a deal in March. The owners are coming back and saying, no, we have to do more. Rather than taking a one-year hit, the owners have decided that we're just going to dress up the same proposal, a 75% pay cut for the players, and we're going to propose it in a different way three times in a row. It's like a used car salesman trying to sell you a car and you're negotiating with the used car salesman and he tells you, well, you know, okay, I can take a little bit off the warranty, a few of the processing fees. Maybe I can knock a couple hundred bucks. I'm losing my shirt. I'm losing my shirt. They're not losing their shirt. And Major League Baseball owners, they're the ones that have decided that they'd rather not have a season and take that kind of loss than uh, pay the players, which is just insane to me. And, And it's like that with pretty much every sport to where the players get demonized by some for wanting fairness in whatever respect it is, be it in payment of college athletes or in professional sports, the players take on more risk and they get their salaries cut when they have a finite amount of time to be paid while the owners get to skate. The players get to be called greedy or the players get to be told, look, you've got room and board, shut the hell up. Why aren't we talking about the administrators? Why have we all of a sudden given the power to administrators and owners to say, we can do what we want because they're the billionaires. College athletics administrators, they're the ones making, what, half a million dollars a year? Some over a million a year? I couldn't agree more. Um, I I don't know. The the MLB proposal today was... Like at first it looked like, oh, that might be a deal they agreed to. And then you like start reading some of the numbers and it's like, it's this same. They just put lipstick on a pig. Like it's the same thing. Rob Manfred is going to go down as the person that killed baseball and how that affects college baseball and Ole Miss baseball. Okay. If Ole Miss baseball were to get every big recruit that they signed, Ole Miss baseball, regardless of how they performed in the postseason and not getting to Omaha. Think about the recruiting classes and the talent that they've lost to the draft. If there's no baseball in 2021 or two th- until 2022, which directly affects the draft, think about the well, kids that Ole Miss could be getting that they would otherwise lose. I think right now if they would have gotten Joe Gray in the 2018 draft, he'd have been their center fielder last year. Ryan Olenek would have moved to second, and that team's a whole lot better. Um, so, I, you know, just thinking about it from – that short of a perspective i absolutely agree uh college baseball would be i don't even know if it would be healthy for the sport how much talent would be there because it would think be. about it, yeah okay we're we're getting a lot of you know really good players that means a lot of players that normally would be on sec rosters or play d1 baseball aren't going to get those spots it's costing kids like think about it's, it's it, it, this down. is unfair because i'm bringing up a kid who's awesome a great kid he's now a team manager for the baseball team but carl gindle would otherwise not be on a roster no Oh, boy. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. And Major League Baseball had the opportunity to be the first sport back and to build back an audience that had otherwise lost after not only the strike in the 90s, but the steroid stuff. There is no more contentious relationship than Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Union. And all of that stems from, it all comes from the owner's side. Because the players 
have been trying to get their fair share for a long time. It makes you truly appreciate Adam Silver. Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, is great. Hockey is coming back. Hockey. And hockey was Mm -hmm. the most recent sport to have a work stoppage. Hockey. And they've come back. And Major League Baseball is going to get upended, and it's going to suck. And I kind of worry about an Anthony Cervidio. They've already cut the draft. Let's already let's play that out. If if you're those guys, or you're because the draft's soon, right? It's this next week. Yeah. Are are you paying attention a little bit to this and thinking, do I really want to get him? I mean, they're going to sign a contract, right? That their signing bonus is deferred until next year, except for I think twenty percent of it. If they don't play, is that guaranteed? (laughs) I'm saying, like, I don't know, man. It. But Ole Miss sports are coming back. There you go. What a way to transition <laughs> yeah. to Chris Lowe. But, hey, look, football players are coming back, and the all-season strength and conditioning program is getting started, and that's good. That's a positive, positive thing. And if you'd have told me a couple of months ago that we'd be at the place where collectively, regardless of the political side you sit on, and I don't care about politics, but I think everybody wants to get to a place where we return to some semblance of normalcy. We accept that coronavirus is now an everyday part of our life for the time being, how we mitigate the damage, how we accept the risk, how we go about handling it with preventative measures, be it hand sanitation or masks. I'm all for that. And I'm all for returning to normal as best we can while also protecting the most vulnerable to this virus. I don't think the pandemic is bull. I don't think that putting people in their homes was dumb. We did all of these unthinkable measures that had never been done before, and we still had over 107,000 people die. Imagine have yeah. we done nothing. This is going to be a part of our daily life. How do we start to then get back to some semblance of normalcy? Because I'll tell you one thing that I've learned in this entire time without sports. When our general collective, when we don't have sports, all we do is <laughs> yell at each other constantly. <laughs> and it's awful. You see it on Twitter. You see it on message boards. We decide that we hate the other person that's talking. And it sucks. It absolutely sucks. At least when Ole Miss, for example, wins a football game. Say Ole Miss beats Kentucky because DK Metcalf catches a game-winning touchdown in the final seconds. Everybody, regardless of your political leanings, you're all together and you're pumped and you're excited and we're completely taken away from the daily bickering back and forth. And it's great. And to not have that has sucked. It has truly sucked. Because you've had to be in this every single day. We're all so desperate for an outlet from the mundane daily dealings we have every single day. To not have sports has sucked. It has sucked. And so for me, in an otherwise normal year, and you know me, you know me really well. Everybody listens to this podcast knows me and knows how I feel about strength and conditioning program, all season stuff in the spring. You're always getting bigger, faster, and stronger. And uh, we make fun of it. We constantly make fun of it. I will write all day, every day, if there's something to write about. I promise you, I will eat up some strength and conditioning programs. If Matt Corral farts and says that may be bigger, faster, and stronger, damn it, I will write about it. Yeah, I'm supposed to be sweating out an Ole Miss game three of a Super Regional today. Today. You know, that's 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 how the world's supposed to operate. But this damn Corona just decided that. Uh, that didn't need to happen. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. It, sports is an escape to a lot of people. But, yeah, I mean, I think people, to an extent, and in a way, uh, are a lot more civil when you're when you're discussing sports rather than, you know, politics. Having said all that, I still have no interest in NASCAR. I watched it last Sunday. I did not watch it yesterday. Um, I, I can't get into it. I mean, it is what it is. I don't have any interest in, like, the KBO either, though. Yeah, me either. I tried. I tried. I tried. I gave it an inning. I just don't care. It speaks to the localization of baseball, too. <laughs> oh, really, absolutely. Outside yeah. of Mike Trout, I don't really care if the Yankees are playing. I love Aaron Judge, man. I'll, I'll just catch the clip. Oh, no. I disagree. That I will watch baseball, like uh, Major League Baseball. If you put the White Sox and, I don't know, the Tigers on, or, you know, on 2.30 on a Tuesday, I'm all in. Yeah, probably me, too. I say that, and yeah, I've caught myself watching games and wondered, what am I watching this for? And then, oh, yeah, because I love baseball. I love baseball. 
And it's going until 2022. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe at Review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, just leave a five-star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. All right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and a of 247 Sports. That's it for Colin. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Chris Lowe, ESPN senior writer. He predominantly covers the SEC. And we talk about a lot of different topics. Mostly, though... Stick to Lane Kiffin. But before we get to Chris, let's hear from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Going now to the Modern Woman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now, it's Chris Lowe, ESPN senior writer. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be with you, Ben. Thanks for coming on, man. You recently had an article about Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and all that stuff. We'll get to it in a minute. But what's it been like for you, man, with all this COVID stuff and coverage for ESPN? You know, probably about like you guys and everybody else. Just trying to gotta be creative and find things to write about it's been a good time to to do retrospective pieces and uh historical type pieces uh, what if pieces just to sort of keep the uh, the college football fan you know continue to whet that appetite everybody you know growing up in the south and having covered the sec as long as I, i i did even with a pandemic people's appetite for college football doesn't dissipate you know, and they want to read about not only what is coming up down the road or when they might play, what it's going to look like, but, you know, going back in time and looking at things and situations and coaches and seasons. And I did a big piece on, you know, what might have happened if this coach had gotten this job or this coach had not gotten turned down by this place or, or left at this, this type thing. And this is really the perfect time to do this kind of piece. And a lot of people have because, as you know, you know, dealing with, with the Ole Miss fan base, and you know, people still want to read about college football. It just, uh, it's you can't get enough of it. Not, not in your neck of the woods. And this is the perfect time for it too, Chris, because now sports are starting to come back, and college football, you're starting to see players back on campus. And Ole Miss, I know on Monday started up with their off-season strength and conditioning program. So, what if, since you wrote for the Tennessean for so long, what if Lane Kiffin had not left Tennessee? What would that story have been? Well, you know, Lane will tell you he should have never left. His dad is even more, Monty's even more definitive. So we should have never left Tennessee. Uh, but, you know, that's easier said than done. I mean, now, I mean, it was it was USC. That was Lane's dream job. I mean, I, at the time when it was going on, and even certainly not now, I mean, I understood. I think most rational people understood. USC comes calling. Yeah, you're going to take that job, especially if you're Lane Kiffin and you cut your teeth there under Pete Carroll at USC during some of their glory years. Um, but the the sanctions were were crippling. 
probably more so than, than anybody even knew at the time at USC. And uh, I think he he had it. He'd set a pretty good tone at Tennessee. Now, he was young and, and, <laughs> and, and pretty dumb and said a lot of dumb things and was out there and, and, and you know, flying pretty loose and free. So what would have happened or, you know, with the NCAA come sniffing around? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But i tell you one thing. That, the team he coached there at 09, the way they played in between the white lines, the way he motivated, and the way they went toe-to-toe with Florida and Alabama, I mean, he set a pretty good tone. I think they would have been, um, put it this way, if you, when you look at what has really probably more precisely what has not happened at Tennessee in the last 10 years, I bet you had he stayed, they would have won a lot more games and been a lot more competitive. I'm not just saying this to toot your horn here. I don't know anybody that knows Lane Kiffin quite as well as you do. So when you heard Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, what'd you think? Well, I mean, I knew Lane wanted to get back to the SEC. I knew he really, really wanted to get back to the SEC because in his mind, that's there's nothing better than SEC football. Competition, pageantry, the fans, uh, the way it's so important to people. I think that's what he likes more than anything about it, Ben. It just, it just means, and I hate that, you know, that whole cliche, it means more, but it does. And you know that it's just so, it's such a part of the fabric in the South, SEC football. And, and let's be honest, it's, it's the highest level of football year in, year out. Now, you know, I know there's some other leagues that made some inroads, but you look at the number of players drafted, uh, who's playing in the playoff every year, who's winning national championships, who's competing for national championships. You know, and I understand that it's pretty much been the same three or four schools for the most part, or at least recently. But he wanted to get back, so I wasn't surprised at all. You know, he had opportunities. You know, he had, he had you know, Arkansas. He could have gone to Arkansas. Um, and, 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 of course, Ole Miss came calling. Ole Miss is what he wanted, though. He told me that. That's That's the one – he felt like was a better fit for him uh, that, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those schools that has a long, deep tradition. Now, granted the NCAA issues, but they have one, you know, for, for what you want about Hugh Freeze or not say about him, Hugh proved when he was there that you could win at a high level at Ole Miss. I mean, how many people beat Alabama in back-to-back years? You know, they went to Sugar Bowl, they won the Sugar Bowl. And I think Lane liked the fact that Ole Miss, where it's situated, you know, you got the Memphis recruiting territory. You're not, you know, you're, you, got, you can go into to Louisiana. You can go into Tennessee. Um, there's a lot of things he liked about that program. You know, the Manning legacy and the fact that uh, the facilities there. And, and I think it's that to me. I mean, one of the things about Ole Miss and Ole Miss football that's as underrated as anything is their facilities, the Manning complex. Manning Center are as good, and I've been to just about all of them, are as good and as complete as any in the country. And when you walk in there, and, and I, I've had this happen with a lot of my ESPN colleagues that had never been there before, they walk in there for the first time, they're like, man, this is really nice. Everything's so centrally located. you got the indoor complex. You're right there at the stadium, the tunnel in the stadium, the weight room, everything. So uh, that's the one he wanted. Of the one, you know, the ones that were open, the ones that were realistic for him to get, Ole Miss was the job that he wanted. So I, I was not surprised at all, and and I knew, you know, when he was named, that it would be a a very very popular hire with the Ole Miss folks. Yeah, they were really hungry for success, really hungry for a splash. So I think that Keith really met that moment as far as answering what the Ole Miss fan base wanted. It's interesting because, like I mentioned, players coming back to campus, and you're seeing the strength and conditioning program kick back up. You've been in there in Lane Kiffin's program and seen it firsthand. So for Ole Miss fans that don't really know, what is a Lane Kiffin program like day-to-day? How does he handle the day-to-day process of his program? Well, the first thing is he's involved in everything. He's front and center, man. I mean, he's special teams, players. He's in players' faces. Uh, He's telling them not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. He's real. And I think he carries – the way Lane carries himself with players, hey, he's still a little bit younger, you know, than a lot of coaches out there. He's coached in a lot of different systems, and he's seen different styles. And Lane will tell you, Ben, that that's the best thing that ever happened to him. You know, as much as he went at it 
the fault with Saban. You know, I say fault. Some of the things he said, you know, Lane's going to pick at everybody. Trust me, I get it when I'm there. He pokes at me as much <laughs> as he does anybody. But, you know, to, to see Saban, the way Saban went about it versus the way Pete Carroll went about it, he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him. So he's seen two different types of winning styles. Guys have won championships. Guys have both coached the pro ball. You know, Lane was his, you know, himself was an NFL pro, NFL head coach. Um, but he's just very real, very direct, very front and center. Uh, and he's, uh, but he connects with the players. I think they like that. They like his brutal honesty. They like the fact that he's not going to pull any punches. Uh, but he relates well. He connects. Um, very, very competitive. And we'll change it up. That, that's the other thing. It's not, you know, if you ever go to his practices, a meeting, you know, it's not just, mono- you know, very, very monotonous. He will change it up. You know, we'll have some fun. He'll bring in people. Uh, he's, you know, Lane has a good, blueprint for what he wants to do now i think he's also learned from his mistakes he's learned from some of the dumb things he said done when he was younger you know we forget when he got the tennessee job he was 33 years old what were you doing at 33 this <laughs> but what i mean can you imagine being a head coach of the no. sec at 33 years old no no i shot. certainly couldn't i'm not defending some of the things he said and done. i mean they were dumb i've told him that he knows it but he, you know, to his credit, he's learned, he's grown, he's evolved. He's still going to be Lane Kiffin. He's still going to be brash. He's still going to have fun. He's going to say what's on his mind. He's going to be on Twitter. Um, but I think you're going to see him be a lot more measured. You know, and he's much, i tell you what he's more than anything, where he's changed in all the years that I've known him, is he's much more grateful for the opportunities that he's, the opportunities that he's had, the doors that have been opened for him, the people that he's coached and learned under, um, and, and just the fact that he's, you know, he's where he is. I mean, you're talking about a guy, what's laying now, 45? Yeah. Um, he's been a head coach in the NFL. He's been a head coach at USC. He's been a head coach at Tennessee. He's been an OC at Alabama under Nick Saban. Now he's a head coach again in the SEC at Ole Miss. I mean, think about that all before he was 45 years old. So, uh, you know, we'll see. He, he knows that a lot of eyes are going to be on it. And I will say this is his last shot. But, but, you know, if he does go in there and screw this thing up, then I don't see that he gets another power five-head job. You know, Wayne's too good of a football guy, though, football mind. He's always going to be in football somewhere. But he understands that. And he told Keith Carbis, I was there the day he was better for believing in me. A lot of people didn't. You did. The old Miss administration did. I'll always be indebted, and I'm going to do everything I can to get Ole Miss to a level to where we all want it to be. And I think he's sincere in doing that. And he understands, again, that he's Lane Kiffin, and, and, and with that name and all that's happened in the past, you know, there's consequences for everything you do and say. There will be a lot of eyes on it, a lot of people watching, a lot of scrutiny. And uh, it's, uh, I, as, as Archie Manning said, I talked to Archie Oh, a few months ago for a story I did about Leach and Lane both being in the same state. And, and Archie put it back. He said, I can promise you this, it ain't going to be boring. We're going to get right back to Chris Lowe of ESPN in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at brennanchapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. And that's what Ole Miss fans wanted. It felt like Ole Miss had just fallen into obscurity. And one thing that's obviously going to be important for Ole Miss to get back 
is the quarterback battle. Now, we've talked about this on this podcast numerous times. It's a hot-button topic right now. I'd rather take it into a different direction with you, not who's going to win it so much as from the lane angle. Does it really matter? Because he's shown as a quarterback's coach and a quarterback developer that he's adaptable, right? Well, and the other thing, I'm glad you asked me that question because the other reason he really liked Ole Miss, and he told me this, and and this is a credit to, you know, to, to what the previous regime did, and the, the very first staff meeting Lane had, I was fortunate enough to be in there when some of the coaches that were on the previous staff were in there on Matt's staff, and he told them all. He said, a big reason I'm here is because of what you guys assembled, the, the, the talent, the young talents you brought in, you know, from Plumlee on down the line. But a big reason he liked Ole Miss was because of the personnel and the roster uh, that, that they've been able to assemble uh, over some other opportunities that he had. Uh, but, no, he's, he's one with a lot of different kinds of quarterbacks. Hey, all that he did at Alabama or didn't do, all he said, all the things, that all the headlines he generated, I go back to the year they won the SEC with Blake Sims playing quarterback. Think about that. And you go back and look at the numbers Sims put up and the production they had. You know, I don't know that anybody else could have gotten that out of Blake over and above what Lane did that year. You know, and and, and the year going even fast forward, forward from that at Alabama, what they were able to do with, with, with different kinds of styles. I mean, he was able to get Saban to play a different style of offense that Saban, let's be honest, had resisted up to that point. Uh, but, yeah, he's one with different kinds of quarterbacks. He, he did the same thing at FAU. Go back and look at what they did at FAU, you know, with, with a couple of different kinds of quarterbacks, uh, different quarterbacks in every year. So I think you're exactly right. I don't know that so much it matters who's going to play because he's proven that his offenses can move the football. Quarterback play is going to be pretty, you know, going to be pretty efficient. And the thing, you know, he does better than I think he's given credit for is he can still line up. His offense is improved. They can still line up and they can bloody your nose. They run the football. And I think that's what he's really good at. Just when you think maybe, you know, he's going to go more finesse, he's going to throw the football, they're going to do this, going to do that, is they'll get into that, you know, that rhythm where they're just blooding your nose up front. I do want to touch on your recent story, but before we do, um, you covering the SEC college football from a national perspective. I feel like back at Ole Miss, fans, media are not as high on John Rice Plumley as nationally other people are on John Rice Plumley. Do you think that's fair? Well, I'm not there, so I, I probably don't hear that every day like you do. You know, I know this. I know Blaine Kiffin thinks the guy's a heck of a talent. I haven't had conversations with him. Likes the fact that. You know, he, he gives you the dual opportunity to do different things. Tremendous athlete, as, as you guys all know. You watch the play, can run, can fly. Um, yeah, yeah, got to be better, more consistent, throwing the football. But I think those are things that, you know, from, from Coach Levy to Lane to everybody on that staff, feel like that they could help him with. You know, we'll see. But uh, no, I, he's he's a fun he's a fun player to watch play, man. That's the, that's the thing about him is. You know, you don't see a lot of guys just like him anymore. You know that that are you know, that, that can do some of the things he can do. I know in watching him play last year, I always enjoyed watching him play. You know, he's an entertaining player, tough. You know, as I said, can fly and and probably again needs to needs to be a little bit better throwing the football. But I think that's something that with development, with the right coaching, with time, that's why getting kids back on campus now. And I don't know how much they get on the field, but so much of the pass game and throwing the football, so much of what you do in that, and I've talked to coaches over the years, so many about this, is, you know, that's developed in the summer. You know, when the quarterback or receivers are throwing and doing seven on seven, and you, you develop that chem- that chemistry and the continuity, you know, and that's where the pass games really sort of come together. And I think that's why not having spring practice for everybody, really, there's just a handful of teams that got very many spring practices in at all and now especially if you get a, a few extra weeks and I think schools will in July where you get to get out on the field and have like OTA type workouts and now the voluntary workouts are so important especially schools that are trying to find who their quarterback is or maybe there's a quarterback battle or a new quarterback to get them with the receivers and try to form that chemistry best they can this summer. 
One of the last things, college football-wise, do you feel like we're trending in the right direction for the fall, not just with playing games, because I think obviously the season's going to happen, but getting at least some fans in the stands, do you think we're trending in the right direction here? No, I think I think we are. I think there's momentum. But, you know, it's still we're still almost, what, almost three months. Mm-hmm. Still almost three months before we play the first game. So the life yeah. has still changed. I mean, think about where we were as a country. Not just football, but where we as a country, society, two months ago, you know, and, and what we've sort of learned, where we, you know, the progress we made. And granted, we're not, you know, the virus is going to be here. I think it's it's going to be so much. What are you talking about, football or business or what have you? So much of what we do going forward is going to be thinking clear, being clear-minded and open-minded, and learning to live and navigate the virus. You know? And so where will, we, where will society be two months from now? And we'll, we'll, we'll be at a point where people are more comfortable in going to games or going and sitting in church side by side with someone or going to movie theaters and sitting. You know, I, I don't know. And I think we still have some time before we have to make those decisions. But uh, no, I think there's a lot of momentum. That I think we will see fans in the stands. We'll, will we see 80,000 people in stadiums? To start September, I don't know about that. Will we see people with masks on? Will there be requirements that we have to wear masks? I think that's probably a real possibility early on. Will we see still schools try to implement some form of social distancing at games? Yeah, I think there, there's going to be some of that. And I think a lot of it's going to be decisions that are made in real time. Again, where are we three months from now? You know, with what, what the medical and healthcare people say. But the best step, I think, is getting kids on campus, as long as we can do it safely, getting them in a controlled environment, getting, you know, the, you know just looking at it from Ole Miss's perspective, getting Ole Miss's team physicians and trainers and medical people around them and trying to keep them, you know, best you can in that environment. And you can't, you can't be with them 24-7, but I also think that it's better than having 85 or 100 kids spread out over the country. You know, because at least you have them with your people, your medical people. You can assess where they are. You test every day. Um, if you need to quarantine or isolate after that, you do. But nobody knows what's going to happen. And it's going to happen when you get to the, the week before the first game or two weeks into the season and you have a couple kids that test positive. What do you do then? What's your plan? You know, do, you, you know, do, you, do you play that week? Does just a few players not play? I mean, those are all things I think we all questions we all have, but I don't know that we have the answers to them right this minute. But I do think we're going to see football this fall, and I think we will see, to some degree, fans in the stands. Well, last thing, you wrote a story. Ole Miss had a unity walk with all its sports, and um, you wrote a story about it. Lane spoke. He also spoke about supporting the players and removing the Confederate statues. For you, what were your biggest takeaways from writing that, from talking to Lane, and just um, culturally what Ole Miss is kind of going through right now and to see that and just your impressions in general? Well, you know, Lane, Lane the one thing Lane told me is, listen, you know, as, as, a, as a coach, any leader, especially now, man, you, you got to listen to people. you got to really hear them out. And I think in conversations with his players, since he's gotten a job, certainly over the last few months, one of the, the things uh, that, that they really wanted to see happen was the Confederate statue on campus moved. You know, that that's something that, and, and it's not like that's a, and you know, you know you, you've been in the middle of this more than I have. It's not like that's a new phenomenon. I think there's, a, there's been a movement there on campus, from university leaders and faculty and student leaders to have the monument moved from where it is near, I guess, the main administrative building until more, over on the Civil War Cemetery site, which is either right off campus or right there, a more secluded part of campus. And the players made that very clear to Lane, that they wanted to see that moved. And Lane said, listen, I fully support that. You know, and, and after sitting down and listening to them and hearing you know, them talk about it, I fully support it. And, and he also wanted, you know, it, it, and he said to me a couple of times, he said, listen, I don't want it to sound like you know, I'm the one that's, you know, started the ball rolling on this, I realized that this had already been ongoing before I got here, but as their head football coach, I want to support my players, and this is something that's important to them, so I want to 
I want them to know that I'm in full support of that hat. Well, before I let you go, I was going to say this is Chris Lowe, ESPN senior writer, and then I'm looking at your picture on Twitter with Ed. Think about him every day, man, and he was a friend of both of ours and Oxford native. Still surreal to me that Ed's not here. I think about him every day. I miss him, too. miss him, too. i got a big picture of him on my desk, and I look at him every morning and think about him. I wish you were here now and what's going on in this country because Edward and I had conversations all the time. You know, me being older than him, the white 50-something, 50-something guy, Edward, you know, the, the black 20-something guy, we were probably on different ends of the spectrum politically. But we had the best conversations, Ben, the best conversations, and we could talk. And I would call him and ask him about things, and he would call and ask me about things. And, man, I miss that as much as anything because Edward was – he was, in every sense of the word, he was a bridge builder. Man, he could build bridges to everybody and connect with everybody. And boy, do we need more bridge builders in this world right now. It's so well said. And I think about him. I pick up the phone looking to call him. It seems like every day I just miss him to death. He's Chris Lowe, ESPN senior writer, one of the best people you'll ever come in contact with. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.